All right. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Made to Think with your host, Ninjam. This is Guest Jam 12. This is a random selection here. I met this guy in a pub. I met him, actually, I used to work with him. Um, yeah, we worked together. App at... app apparently, he makes a really good curry. So I'll try this next week. So I've invited him on my, my podcast before I've even tried his curry because I can see in his eyes that he already knows how to make a fucking good curry. Um, he's, he's, he's truly Indian. And I, I love Indian food. Everybody knows that. But I don't know that much about Indian history. And I, I had a little chat with this guy about Indian history. And he was like, I'll fucking have it. I'll talk to you about Indian history. I'll tell you what everybody else doesn't want to say. So welcoming my next guest. His name's Abby for me. Uh, there you go. Have it large. How are you? Let's have it. Thanks for having me there tonight. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You haven't tried my curry yet. I hope when you try it, it doesn't give you the shits. <laughs> I, I'd remember to tone down on the spices. It's not going to be chicken tikka masala. Absolutely not. We're having beers tonight. We're having beers tonight. We're having beers tonight. Cheers. Um, We've been we've been trying to make this work for a long time. Yeah, all your listeners, man, you don't understand. Everybody's got schedules and busy, busy things, and keep putting it off. And uh, anyway, how was it? How was it growing up in India, man? Uh well, firstly, how do I describe it? Indian parents are way different when it comes to upbringing they kind of try to instill a lot of morals and values they have certain cultural things that they would want to instill in you at the same time Indian parents can be quite controlling also pretty similar to Vietnamese parents like they would pamper you but at the same time they'd like to take control of all the decisions and some days they love to guilt trip you but I think I've had a good upbringing, which is why I'm sitting here doing this with you and talking about it. And I can speak English and read at the same time. So I'm quite glad about it. My parents managed to send me to a reputable institution for education. And growing up in India is a bit different because you are generally surrounded by a lot of your family members and everybody's curious about what you're doing and how you are doing things. What's your plan for the future? So it's it's a lot of pressure at times, I would say. But I th I think I enjoyed my childhood to an extent. Well, you look like you um, definitely enjoyed your childhood. And for your parents, I want to say I've met you personally and they did a wicked job on you, man. They did a great oh, job. I, I really appreciate you saying that. And... I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm lucky to have my. Parents. I just need to. I just need to try your curry. Um, how many languages? How many languages can you actually speak? Well, when it comes to Indian languages, I'm fluent. Uh, English is not my first language. It's my third language. Wow. So my first language is Bengali. Then I speak Hindi, English, and I speak Punjabi, and I can understand most of the other Indian dialects. In the past, I was, uh, I would say, kind of fluent with Greek and Turkish because I was wow. quite fascinated with their culture as well, since they're really connected to Indian uh, 
languages and the historical aspect. A lot of Greek and Turkish words, especially Turkish words, have come from Indian uh, languages and even languages spoken in Europe. They speak uh, a lot of words which have evolved from an old Indian language called Sanskrit. Yes, Sanskrit. Uh, how many languages and dialects are actually spoken in India? Well, we actually got 18 national languages uh, in total. But our official languages are Hindi and English. So all the paperwork, government work, is always done in English. But we also have uh, regional languages based on the states that we have and what they speak. So a lot of their paperwork is in their regional language, but it's kind of like what you have in Vietnam, where the Vietnamese version would be written on top and under that the English translations there. Um, when you, because you learn English, but how how different is English compared to the Indian language? What's so different? Uh, probably I would I would say a couple of pronunciation aspects would come in there, and uh, some aspects of grammar. Uh, so that's how it gets a bit different, but it's really for me being an English speaker because I've been speaking English and reading English books since I was really young. So. It's happened that now I actually don't think in my mother tongue, which is Bengali. I think in English. Right. You're a smart guy. So do you think that the only way to be smart was to read English books, not Indian books? No, never. I always enjoyed reading. I Till date, I, if I'd read something, I've always been interested in history. So I'd read a lot of books, something that would interest me. And I had this habit of hiding books between my science or other textbooks and I'd read that and while growing up my parents would tell me what do you want to be a historian you keep reading history books the whole time and you hide and read history books in your textbooks but I, I, I read because I find that when I learn something new it kind of gives me freedom right that's amazing so I in my experience growing up in England I never had a white doctor Every single doctor was an Indian. Um, oh, and, yeah, they were always Indian. And, and I never questioned that at all. Um, what I believe was that they always sent the most smartest Indian over. Um, and he was the one that got a job, you know, got his residency. And then and then he invited everybody over. And then they would they would take over like uh, um, a neighborhood. In, and everybody used to say, oh, you know, you, you're racist. No, we're not racist at all. I, I grew up next to an Indian family. But when, when Indian families take over a whole neighborhood, like, who's yeah. racist? Me or them? Um, I just I just saw, what, what I know is that Indians had to fight really hard. And they fought much harder than, than, than the English people. As I said, I've never had a... I've never had a, a uh, a, a white doctor. It was always Indians. Now, what were the things that Indians lacked compared to what we consider the most developed countries, in your opinion? 
what do you think India lacks? I think I, I think we've got a lot of resources and stuff, but the thing is, the way we direct things and try to focus on a certain aspect of development, the post freedom we have created divide amongst ourselves. So it's not, I would say, not a completely united front. So since it's not united, everybody's looking for their own small interests and just uh, corruption would be one big factor which hinders development and people fighting for things like religion or caste or creed and just using those things in the advantage and playing around with the poor people's sentiments when it comes to gathering votes. Being a democracy, I think some days... It can be a curse when you know you've got a big vote bank which isn't that educated when it comes to making the right choice. Right. So I look at you. I know you're a smart guy. Um, when it comes to making real decisions about, okay, this is me for survival, and then you compare that to religious decisions. Mm -hmm. Were you? Did you ever let religion? Uh, be the forefront of your destiny, or you was like, nah, I'm gonna do what I gotta do to get out of here. Well, the thing is, in the start, I'd, I'd just uh, be honest with you. Uh, while I was growing up, my grandmother was a bit religious, and she would try to instill these things that God's watching what you're doing. So when we were young, let's say till grade four, grade five, we'd visit a temple and. Uh, hold our hands in front of the deities and pay our respects. And once I turned into an adult, I kind of faced a lot of challenges in life. For a while, I went into depression also. That's when I kind of used religion as an aspect um, to give me strength, like doing the right things or following certain rituals on certain days. And I think it gave me strength. But at the same time, I realized one thing that you know, you're surrounded by different forms of energy. And honestly speaking, people aren't always your well-wishers because they might say, oh, I'm really glad you're doing this. But from the inside, they're like, why does he have this? Or why he doesn't have that? So I decided, like, for my progress, what I want to achieve, firstly, I would work on achieving it and then talk about it rather than always try and discuss my future plans. Because uh, in, in India, we have a saying that somebody puts like uh, an evil eye or a taboo on it that you can't achieve it. So I kind of realized that like uh, th there would be a lot of people who'd say, oh, I'm your best friend. I'd always be with you. I'd help you. But it always doesn't work like that. And I did use religion as a bit of a support when I went to went through a lot of challenges and depression but i think it did help me but yeah the only deity i followed was lord shiva and he oh. talks about the fact that even a bad person has something good in him so he's one of those deities who would be worshipped by even what we call the demon folk the asuras and he'd grant them really powerful boons that they would be able to beat the devas that are the gods that rule the heavens. So you you follow you follow Shiva, right? So Shiva I, I, 
let me tell you something about Shiva, what I know. Mm-hmm. Shiva is um, a deity inside a circle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and she's dancing. And that that is um, a statue in front of CERN. Yeah, that's Nataraj. Do you know that what means- you know what is CERN? You know what is CERN? For all for all our listeners right now, CERN is this big uh scientific um place, and they have this statue outside of Shiva who is da- she's in she's in her dance. Yeah. It it's a circle and she's in her dance in CERN, and CERN is a giant circle for quantum physics and all that shit. But here's the deal. Shiva means the destroyer, right? Yes, we've got three gods. The creator is Brahma, the protector is Vishnu, and the destroyer is Shiva. So they have this statue outside of CERN in Switzerland, uh, out, which is weird. I mean, I want I want to ask you why why would they do that? But she's this she's in her dance mode. She's not in her destroyer mode. Yeah, he's, so, he's in dance mode. Yes. So think about this. The, all the listeners right now, think about this. There's CERN, which is a circle, and mm-hmm. you have they have a statue of Shiva outside the circle of whatever it is. I think that that is the place that they're going to open up a porthole or whatever. They're going to make sure like this is the, the, the one place where Shiva is not dancing anymore. It's when Shiva becomes the destroyer. Shiva's dancing. is like, yo, I'm telling you, this is the way. This is the way. Did you know that? Did you know yeah, that Shiva's? Yeah, I know that. We call it the statue of Nataraj. Nataraj means the god of dance. And basically, he's da- he started dancing when the earth was going through, the our universe was basically going through a lot of destruction, bloodshed, all the problems. And he was dancing to make everything go away, basically. And the circle that radiates, which looks like a sun is basically the fire which was being emitted by him the energy the aura of shiva that is being emitted by him and i'm not sure if it would be a portal or not but i definitely believe that we have certain energies like if you if you visit a certain temple you would feel certain things like in india we've got a temple of lord hanuman now people that are possessed they visit that temple and if you walk in, it gives me goosebumps when I talk about it because I've <laughs> been. And it's a scary experience. You walk through this like dark, dingy passage and you'd see people possessed. They're like literally breaking down these chain chains and all these uh, like bars trying to just like get out of what's holding them. And once they're free of that, they walk out. And you feel a certain energy around certain places. Yeah, I feel that 100%. So what I was trying to say is that you look at Shiva and she's in a circle and she's dancing, but the destroyer and the sun is like when the sun is not dancing, 
it's the one who destroys the world. So this we it's I, I just want to re I want to bring this up again. Look at the CERN um headquarters. They have a statue of Shiva outside, but she's dance, she's in a dancing mode. Now, if she's nodding in dancing mode in the circle, that's the Lord of the Rings. It's the Lord of the Rings, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh no, absolutely. How do we relate it to Lord of the Rings? We'll get but we'll get to that later. Now? Um listen, what were the things in European that India lacked compared to most developed countries while you were growing up? What what do you think that it lacked? Because it certainly didn't lack intelligence. I I think what it lacked was the proper way of organizing themselves. Like if you look at Indian history, let's talk about the rebellion of 1857. In India, we call it the first war of independence against the British colonizers back when East India Company ruled us. But if you look at it, honestly, everybody's fighting for themselves. They are fighting to free their fiefdom, their duchy. Yeah. So it's not a fight for freedom. It's They were organized. They were trained by the British East India Company that if you read the journals, even the generals mentioned that they were quite organized. And the best thing which they appreciated was they learned how to tactically retreat. If they they ran out of ammunition, they knew how to tactically retreat. Right. That's not a rabble that would fight you like a bunch of peasants fighting. There might be a couple of peasants in there, but these people knew how to get out of there once they're in trouble. Okay, we are out of supplies. Now is not the best time to confront someone. Let's move out. And they did give them a lot of trouble. So I don't think it it's ever been... The fact that we aren't intelligent or we haven't aimed towards developing ourselves. It's been the fact that people in India don't always view themselves completely as Indians. Right. If someone would ask me where I'm from, I'd say, oh, I'm from Delhi. Or I'm from uh, Calcutta. I'm a Bengali. I'm from Maharashtra. I'm a Marathi. We don't, we don't always emphasize on being an Indian first. So that's been the biggest problem where we didn't work in a fully unified way. Even if you look at uh, Indian politics post-freedom, there were states fighting to get their own autonomy, own legislatures, own rules passed. So I think that's been one of the biggest hindrances for us to grow and uh, certain aspects which we cling on to in the name of taboo and... Uh, how do I say cultural aspects? So I mean, so what you're saying there is that Indians don't know their heritage, right? Most Indians I, don't know their heritage. Sometimes I, I think they do know their heritage and they take pride in it, but but the real heritage, the real heritage. Yeah, but only when they're questioned would they come out as an Indian. We would come out as Indians when India is playing against Pakistan in cricket or when India is fighting a war with China or Pakistan, but we wouldn't come out as Indians. This is, why, 
this is why I've invited him on in here because he knows about real heritage. He's an ancestral spirit like me. Um, how did you make good use of your free time when you was growing up? Well, for me, when I was young, I would read. And yeah. What would you read? I would read a lot of history books, a lot of scriptures. I mean, you love history. You love fucking history, but that's boring for young kids. Like, what? You, what really? What are you? What? What are you, what are you reading, man? What are you reading? I, I, give, I give, give reading... us some books. Give us some books that can twitch your, you know, twitch your melons. What mm. kind of books? Well, the thing is, funny thing. The first Harry Potter book I read, which was a craze in India, like <laughs> if you weren't reading Harry Potter, you weren't cool. The first book I read was The Prisoner of Azkaban. That also probably after three years of the book being released. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. This is interesting. But I can't give a damn about these fucking spells. This is a <laughs> one time read. And I ended up reading. I never read the book Ramayan which is about Lord Ram. I read about Mahabharat, which speaks about cousins fighting each other for a okay. piece of land, for a kingdom. And that that's till date my favorite book, because you know what? If you go in depth, the ones we term as the bad guys, they have a lot of qualities which the good guys don't possess. I would really say for people who actually want to understand the concept and the aspect of good and bad maybe wow. read Mahabharata and explore the heroes from both the sides i love it's this like so the, War. this is the early version of good and bad with the brahma yeah. it's the brahma yeah. um, in indian culture there are certain phases uh one i think is called satyug what we are right now is called the kali yuga which is like the dark phase after which an avatar of Vishnu by the name of Kalki would come and destroy everything and things would start. So Mahabharata... about energy. Energy. It's a, you're talking about energy right there. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. I, 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 I'm not sure if it's energy or not. Probably would break a lot of boundaries, taboos. I mean, look at the world right now, how it's changing. Oh. Um, let, let's say, let's say maybe... I I think I live under a rock when I talk about this. Like a lot of people come to me like, oh, I identify as this. I identify as that. I'm like, mm, I don't know what to say about that. So <laughs> those kind of way the things are changing, it, it's like a domino effect. I feel it's like a bunch of Jenga blocks we've kind of put together in a very haphazard manner where. When you yeah. pull out the delicate block from the right spot, it's going to all come down crumbling. Oh, that's cool as fuck. I like that. Um, now, you can cook curry. Um, who taught you how to cook? Who taught me how to cook? I actually... See, the thing is, I was notorious as a child in my home for running <laughs> around, opening things up, doing something or the other. So... Every weekend, my mom, not my mom, my dad, he liked to cook a mutton curry. Wow. So he'd be like, hey, hey, come, come, come. You like playing with fire. How about you, rather than burning the bed sheets? So this is what <laughs> happened once. I was young and I thought 
if I burn different color bed sheets, I'm going to generate a different kind of fire from it. A different color would pop up. So I picked up the blues, the greens, and I burned them all. And nothing <laughs> happened. And then I had to hide the bed sheets. So it was a pyromaniac. I almost blew my face up. My dad was in the army. I almost blew my face up because I dismantled a 50 caliber bullet. <laughs> and wanted to see how it blows up. So I decided to put a matchstick inside the empty shell and it blew Jeez. up in my face. Wow. So again, I'll ask the question again. Who taught you how to cook? Your dad. Yeah, I think he kind of had a bigger <laughs> role in it than my mom. So he would take me to the kitchen. He'd be like, okay, I'm chopping chili. See, this is what I'm doing. Now you hold this chopping board. When I ask you to put the chilies in the pressure cooker or in the utensil, just put it when I ask you to. Okay, and th that's how I kind of started learning. Because so, I learned, oh, so this is it wasn't, it, do you think it was a teach? Because you're a teacher now and I'm a teacher. Was it a teaching or was it just a, uh, oh, fuck it, uh, whatever. <laughs> was I'd it a say, teaching? I mean, Adam, I'd say like a lot of things we learn is <laughs> teaching us a lot. Yeah. It's giving us experience, right? So, uh, unknowingly, I think he taught me how to cook, and now Scottish people like my curry more than their haggis. I've like heard one... your curry's fucking great. I can't wait to fucking try it, man. I heard it's it's making my mouth water. I've heard it's, I've heard it from the great pie. <laughs> so where did you hear it? I'm quite curious because I remember the last time I cooked Afghani curry. Uh, that's what what we are left with once NATO bombed the fuck out of Afghanistan. All the Afghans ran away from formed a cricket team and they just gave us their curry in exchange. So what makes a really good curry in your opinion though? Like an outstanding curry. An outstanding curry needs love. Yes. It's like it's like brewing a nice yes. of whiskey. Right? Yeah. So okay. it's about getting wow. the right balance. Absolute Okay, lead. how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you get a right balance? Take us from the, the bottom. Let's go. So let's say let's say I'm making a butter chicken. All right. So when I make a butter chicken, my first thing that I do is the first thing I'd start off with is take I season my chicken. It's the seasoning because wow, it needs to be tender and soft. So I season it for like good about 24 to 30 hours. Wow. And with a bit of yogurt, cream that it's juicy and soft. Once that's seasoned, I would put it in a pot and let it kind of like saute a bit and take it out and let the vegetables cook in the meat oil, the natural fat of the meat. So that kind of instills a bit of that tight flavor in there. And then it's just about checking all the time how much of spices are needed does it need to be spicy what kind of spice do i need to add what is missing and i would say when i cook curry i don't think i'm always consistent with like let's say i might have a certain curry cooked and maybe it'll taste a bit different when i cook it the second time i would have the consistency and everything right but maybe there's a bit of up and down on the spices it also depends on my taste buds because when I cook, I definitely like to taste. Like take a small bit on a tiny teaspoon or something and just make sure 
everything's in order. Um, so what makes, what is your favorite Indian food of all time? Ah, uh, my favorite Indian food of all time. <laughs> I... I'm going to say me, biryani. It's biryani, man. A uh, good no, biryani. I, I wouldn't stop a biryani, man. That's, that's, uh, uh there's a lot level. to explore. There's a lot to explore. You know, when, when I met my wife. The first thing I cooked for her was lamb chops. Yeah. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you, you said lamb chops. See, an Indian that talks about lamb chops to a, a Manchester guy, you're hitting the wavelengths there, man. You're not yeah. talking about lamb biryani. You're talking about lamb chops. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I just went up to him like, okay, so what I did with my lamb chops is instead of using butter, I used ghee, which is clarified butter, a bit more creamier. Now it's like, so how do you like your lamb chops? And she goes like medium rare. I'm like, okay, fine. Now when I'm when I'm making lamb chops, I'm a bit anxious because I've got to put a timer on. And I'm Indian. In India, we don't work according to time. It's similar to Vietnam. VST or IST stands for Indian stretchable time or Vietnamese <laughs> stretchable time. You stretch it as long as you can and you keep telling them, I'm just around the corner. Now, why is India famous for curry? And what do you know about the origins? I mean, I could tell you stories. I'm going to go run downstairs quickly and get a beer because we, we, we're cracking beers here, brother. <laughs> Look it out about... about um, this is amazing. Um, why is India famous for curry, and what do you know about the origins? I'm running downstairs. I've got my headphones. Don't yeah, worry. you gotta give me a moment. I gotta run downstairs. So actually, I actually, I'll we'll just pause. I'll just pause it. Uh, can we pause it? Can we pause it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Pause it. We need, we need to go for a pee call. All right. Okay, we just had a little pee break there. Um, we were talking about. Um, your favorite Indian food of all time. Mine's biryani with raita. I can't, I, I can't express like, I, I, I work with Indians, man, and they show me how to eat biryani with raita. Oh, I, I yeah. see, I see so yeah. many fucking foreigners doing it wrong. Writers, the the most important factor in a curry for me. <laughs> you're missing out on one more thing. Let me tell you what you're missing out on. It's called mirchi salad, which is basically oh. a green chili uh, condiment, which goes with the biryani. Oh gosh, mild spicy. So half of it you put right, the half of it you put the mirchi salad. Sometimes you can. Some people also put a minced meat condiment of mirchi salad. Yes. Um, you've got to um, now just a little education about eating curry. If you're gonna eat spicy curry, you eat you eat the chili first, and then you eat the curry, and then you cool it down with the raita, and then you eat the rice, and then uh, the bread at the end is what is the uh, yeah. It's the cycle to to go back. People who eat spicy food and they just neck in beers, mm. you, you, you're killing your system, man. That's not the way, man. It's not the way. You, 
You know, the best way to eat it for me is uh, if I'm eating spicy food, I like a nice glass of Lassi. Do you know what Lassi is? Yeah. Oh, God. Lassi's great. Nice yogurt drink. Not too sweet, not too salty, just like a nice mix. And because when you're eating spicy food, if I drink beer, it, it's going to kind of wash down. The chili is going to wash down all the way to my tongue, to my throat. And milk is... Chili is a bit more acidic in nature. And now I'm talking science. I'm sorry. Uh, the Indian no, it's, side. It's fine. Um, listen, what makes a really good curry? What separates the men from the boys? What separates the men from the boys is all about the love <laughs> and affection you put in the food. No, I've, had, sure I've had millions and millions. Of, you, you've, you've probably had millions and millions of curries. Yeah. But, they they just comes they comes one time where everything's fucking unbelievable, but seriously, like even for the the best of the best out there, what 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 separates the men from the boys? What can make it perfect, perfect balance of flavors? It shouldn't be too spicy. See the misconception that people have about Indian food is the fact that they think it's absolutely spicy i would say korean foods more spicier than indian food because they use a lot of red dry chili that burns your throat but indian food generally has a kick to it now when you visit a restaurant and they go like you want spicy or non-spicy uh, in, in, in india it's more uh, you want hot I think I think there's a misconception there with, with foreigners. It's like I want it hot, not spicy, right? Yeah, you want a kick to it, so you can tell them. See, the heat comes from red chili, and the kick comes from green chili. Yeah. So, people in the hotter regions of India, they eat a lot of green chili, and they have a concept that they say it keeps your blood a bit more thinner and keeps whatever you consume more water. I'm not really sure why they make it like that. If I knew, I would be able to tell you a bit more in detail. But uh, red chili, there are different types as well. There is some one, for example, Kashmiri chili that gives this, this curry the red color. Now, and I, I, have, I, have my, I have my new modern idea about why India is famous for curry. Um, I want to. I want to know what, why, what you think, why the world is so fascinated with Indian food, because it's not. It's probably not what what you grew up with. It. Mm. It, it it's a it's a different kind of beast. Yeah, it is. Uh, the thing is, curry is a westernized, bastardized name. We, uh, we bastardized. <laughs> Yeah, it's completely bastardized by everyone. All right. Oh, I want Indian curry. But yeah. in India, we call it masala. Yeah. Masala okay. means spices. Sauce. The and oh, okay. the sauce, yeah. the base. Yeah, yeah. And every masala is different. Every sauce base is different. Some might not even need chili. Some are just made with plain yogurt. Yeah. So it's a masala. It's the spice that gives the flavor for example when he said chicken tikka masala what actually happened was the guy ran out of actual chicken so he took tandoori chicken which is tandoori chicken tikka like uh 
basically cubes of meat which he put in a clay oven yeah. and he put it in a butter chicken gravy and hurled a couple of onions and capsicum and a bit of spice in there done but actually curry is not just when i say curry i would i would say i'm not respecting indian food because then i just put it all in one category it's the masala like we have um let's say jalfrezi Dopiaza, which means like you using dopiaza means two onions. So using two onions to make the base of the sauce. Mm -hmm. So these kind of things are there. So India is famous for Indian food, but it's just got the name curry because most of the people can't or don't know the spices that are put or the fact that it's the masala which gives it a certain flavor. I think, I think based on my research that India became the curry capital because of the spice um this the uh, the spice trade the the spice route you know you, you know that uh, there was a, the, the the spice trade route that yeah. the old, the ancestors used to use and funnily enough uh Kazakhstan was um one of the old school old school babies yeah, um, absolutely. The Central Asian Plains, you know, the Central Asian Plains, we talk about the nomads. They actually were quite happy with the Silk Route because when a caravan would pass through them, their territory, they could tax it. They called those the caravans <clears throat> and the caravans so, were actually, they're actually the, the uh, 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 gypsies now. And the gypsies, they've lost their way so they're just wandering around but the gypsies used to be the the think tanks uh passing from the uh kazars to the kazars you know yeah uh, Ju julian caesar's name is julian kazar yeah <laughs> so they used to use these um caravans to to spread the the the, the wealth of uh, information around yeah. Uh, and then they had you had the spice trade, um, and and India was right in the middle of that. So, India was. Your question now mm. talking about origins, and this is where we're going to go deep now because uh, you, you're a man of history, uh, you're a big fan of history, and and, and I want I, I would like you to share your knowledge about your homeland, like where the fuck did India come from? Let's have it. Let's go. Well, all right. So <laughs> if we look at the origin story of India, uh, it actually doesn't even start in the central plains of India. It starts from a small region called Punjab. Nice. Punjab got divided after the partition of 1947. Some of Half of it went to India, half in Pakistan. In this region, Punjab means a region of five rivers. Now, this is where in India, civilization started. Uh, have you heard of Indus Valley civilization? Yep, Indus Valley, yes, of course. They started it. Now, what? as much as we know about the civilization, it's not... People believe it's like a complete uh, democracy or it didn't have a king or a monarch. But these people, they built the first civilization... In India, they had paved roads, they had a proper drainage system, proper toilets, everything. 
and they i would say they were sedentary civilization living by the rivers so that they could trade now what happened is at a point of time when we talk about aryans or the aryans that aryans we aryans aryans is the right term because that's a sanskrit term and these were central asian nomads so in the start india didn't have any concept uh, i i don't know how military uh, how militaristic these civilizations the first civilizations of india were when we talk about indus valley civilization but the aryans they basically came from the central asian steppes now they brought cavalry to india when they invaded india they brought their language sanskrit nice and they invaded india they came with horses we had never seen horses and that's how sanskrit entered india and it start, started spreading and in the past the once the indus valley civilization was removed of the map the aryans were there the northern part was known as of india was known as more of the aryan dominated region and on the southern part what we, uh, let's say if you go on the south like uh, towards the south kerala tamil nadu all those regions they were called the regions that had people of dravidian origins the what dravid dravid go govid Dravid, D-R-A-B-I-D, Dravid. Dravid. Sounds to me that sounds to me like the uh, original uh, Go Gotland. Gotland is uh, Finnish. Um, I'm I'm just relating the uh, the Bok saga. Yeah, Bok saga. So, what do you say? What? How does it sound? Dravid, Dravid, like the Indian cricketer Rahul Dravid. You might have known him. He might have. Is it G? Is it is a G sound? a d it's a d sound oh, it's a d sound okay 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 let's go the dravid people were more to the south so when this the aryans they started moving down uh what happened back then the aryans are the ones that introduced the concept of caste system in india which says there are four four castes the first starting at shudra which is the lowest caste that do more of the menial labor-based jobs Above them are the Vaishyas, that are the traders, businessmen. Above them are the Kshatriyas, that are the warrior class. Nice. And above them come the Brahmins. That's nice. But like at a point of time, the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas were pretty much at par because, I mean, most of the kings that ruled were Kshatriyas because they're warlike. They, can, they know how to strategize, how to lead an army and fight a war. But the advisors would be Brahmins. Okay, so um, give us a brief breakdown on the popular Indian gods. Because you're talking about the Brahmins now. Give us a breakdown of the gods. Breakdown of the gods. All right, that's interesting. So when India was under Indus Valley civilization, what they found was a seal with the god that has an animal head and he's called Pashupati Nath, which means the god of all animals and that's the that's the name given to Lord Shiva so 
the, 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 the Lord of destroy the destroyer. Yeah, but he's the Lord of all. The uh, because yeah. once you destroy, that's when the cycle of creation comes into place. Yeah. So one uh, and in it started dividing. Hinduism started dividing into different sects. But early majority of the people in India, they worshipped Lord Shiva. And once the Aryan culture started to come in, the concept of uh, caste system, Vedas, all started being instilled in India. At a point of time emerged another sect of Hinduism. Very similar to, uh, not similar, but I'd say, let's say if you look at Islam, it's been divided into two sects, Shia, Sunni, but then a third sect came, which is uh, the Turkish, the Ottoman sect known as the Sufis. Oh. That, that you, you don't need to go to a mosque to pray. You can pray Su anyway. Sufi also means philosophy. You know, I'm, 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 I'm connected to the Sufis. So Sufi means philosophy. That's where it comes from. Sufi basically means uh, the thing is Sufi the Sufi Islam culture came into being from the Turkish uh, warlords from the Ottomans because yeah. they were central nomadic horsemen that went around fighting uh, their their uh, their leader Osman from whom comes the name Ottoman he would be fighting the Turks and the Christian armies back then in Ant modern Anatolia which is modern day Turkey. So they didn't have time to pray. So they would go around. Uh, they'd be, let's say, close to a battlefield. They'll just look for the north side or whatever side. And they believe that God is anywhere you want to find him. And uh, funny thing, a lot of Indian food comes from Turkish origin, like kebabs. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Kebabs. Yeah. Kebab is an in uh, is a Turkish term. It was brought by the Turkish Mongolian people. The, the, the Kazakhstan's, yes, Kazakhstan. Central Asian people, yeah, because they didn't have time to cook. They just take a sword, stick gibbets of meat on it, and put it on a fire, and done. Oh, um, what are the Nagas? The Nagas. The, the Nagas. The Nagas. This. This is these stories of blue people right yeah. i think the nagas are the blue people i want to know more what are the nagas I naga mean... means basically nag in indian language means snake now nagas were basically the fall uh, some people brand them as a tribal class which was part of the lower class and some people, majority of the lower class people in India at a point of time worshipped uh, Lord Shiva. Yeah. Shiva was uh, blue. She was blue. Yeah. Blue, she right? Was blue because in Indian mythology, it's said that like in Greek culture, you have ambrosia, which gives the gods <laughs> their immortality, right? The nectar of the gods. I don't know if I said the right term or not. But in Indian culture, we have the similar term, Amrit. So it's said that everything that exists based on Indian mythology came from the sea. So... The blue people. No, not the blue people. 
we had two sects. One was the Asuras, which we now just uh, Asura means one who's a demon. Oh, okay. And Devas means the one who's like a god, basically. So mm. these two decided that there's a lot of treasure buried under the sea. Now, what we're going to do is to bring it up, we're going to churn the ocean. So they took a mountain which they put in the sea and they said, how do we do this? So they called the king of all serpents by the name of Basuki, who coiled himself around the mountain. And the Asuras had the tail end, the Devas had the head end, and they churned. Like if you've seen a butter churner, churning butter, a hand butter churner, and things came out. So the Devas, they started taking whatever the best things that came out. And then suddenly comes out this picture, which we call Amrit. That's the nectar of gods, which gives you immortality. No. Now the Asuras go like, okay, you got all the good things. You got the moon, you got the wish granting cow. That's uh, got the, uh, there's a wish granting cow in our culture, which is why cows are considered holy. There's a cow by the name of Kamdenu, who is basically like Mother Earth that grants you all your wishes. They said, you got all those things. We want this. So the Asuras got tricked by the Devas and the Devas got immortality and Asuras didn't. So they churned the uh, sea to bring resources out. Now, Nagas are basically worshippers of Lord Shiva. And Naga also means a snake. Now, in Indian culture... Uh, when they churn the, churn the ocean, besides the pot of nectar of immortality that came out, came a poison which could destroy the whole universe. And Shiva wow. said, I would swallow this poison. Wow. So that's why in Indian culture, people who worship Shiva, Shiva they would say that Shiva would take all my burdens and all my poison. So what Shiva did is he drank that wow. poison, but he held it in his throat. He didn't let it go to his stomach that would kill him. Neither So that poison gave him the blue color that you see. And Nagas are the people that worship Lord Shiva. So what happened is at a point of time, there's another mythology that the river Ganga, it had to be brought down to earth, as we know, so that she could purify everybody's sin. There was a king by the name of Bhagirath. He wanted to purify the sins of his ancestors and make sure they go to heaven. And he was told, if you want to do that, the only way is to call down river Ganga. Now, to call down River Ganga, he needed the help of Lord Shiva because Lord Shiva's hair was the only thing that could tie the whole thing down and let it flow in a proper way. And to hold his hair down, his snake helped him. So that's why snakes are really dear to Lord Shiva. Mm. Um, so do you believe in the blue people or not? Blue I, I'm people. Sure, I'm not sure, but I'd I'll tell you about this experience. Uh, I've not had it. Uh, Do you six... believe in the blue people, like the blue fucking people? I I I'm not sure. I've not seen one, so I can't 
really confirm. But my grandfather, uh, grandmother had this experience. I apologize. No, my grandmother uh, in India, we believe that the king of snakes, he carries this massive gemstone, which is called the <laughs> money. That means gemstone of the snake. And if you get to see it, it would purify your sins or grant you immortality. I don't know what it basically does, but it's really valuable. Um, now, okay. Okay. So I've seen it in the movies. And yes, I'm a Manchester City fan. And I believe in blue. Blue is always better than red. Um, well, we are Indians. We bleed blue when we play cricket, don't we? Now, what is the story about the... The Vedas. So there are, and, the, and we, uh, I just want to, I just want to stop here because I asked you this in 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 the place where we were talking, and you were like, "Oh, nobody, nobody talks about the Vedas." Mm. I, uh, I would love to talk about the Vedas. Now is your chance to uh, talk about the Vedas, but I'm gonna go pause it one sec. I'm gonna go get a beer. <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> beer. I'm gonna go get reload. Hmm. Yeah, so where were we? Um <laughs> I'm gonna say I have pause this show. Yeah. So we sorry, we just took a little pee break there. Um I'm still interested in this. What are the Nagas? Such a weird, mysterious people that apparently they're blue, they come from a lake. Um if you watch a lot of the old movies, they they'll they'll be there. They're the Nagas. They are the blue. The serpentine kind of people, man. And yeah. Apparently, in um, in the old days, they were used as slaves on the boat, which I don't believe, man. I don't believe that anybody who's blue is a slave on a boat. I, I, I'd be like, yo, if I'm blue, I'll be telling the people on the boat, you don't know how to fucking ride the boat correctly, fella. But Nagas, hundred percent goes into mermaid. It goes into mermaid mythology, right? Uh, it now, can. We definitely have mermaid mythology, but at the same time, uh, if you actually study Indian culture and mythology, a lot of it is very similar to Greek mythology. Um, I forgot. I, I remember where we we what What is your opinion about the Vedas? What the fuck is the Vedas, man? So that's where that's Vedas, where we were at. The Vedas. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, so Vedas basically came into India when the Aryans invaded India. Back then, there was no the Indus Valley civilization. They had a written language, but it was more like hieroglyphs. But the Aryans, their language was exactly how would I say, it was not a text-based language. Everything was memorized. So when they entered India, they brought the language Sanskrit. And with them, they brought these Vedas. So we have Rig Veda, 
Yajurveda, Samveda. What, what I, is I, what is a Veda? It's a it's a philosophy, right? Yeah, a Veda basically. Let, let me just tell you what it exactly is. Uh, Vedas are basically how do I say a collection of poems or let's say mantras. Mantras. It, uh, um... It's kind of like the... It's like a religious text. Uh, it tells you about certain rituals you have to follow. In mm -hmm. India, the kings followed Vedas because it told them what their kingly duties were, how they were supposed to uh, lead their lives, what they were supposed to do, what rituals they were supposed to follow. So Vedas contain all this information. And in Vedas, we basically have uh, these things were written in Sanskrit and they got taken by the Hindus. So there are different Vedas. It's like, how do I say, it's broken down into different Vedas. And uh, there are four Vedas. One is called Rig Veda, Yajur Veda, Sam Veda, and Athar Veda. So I've not studied Vedas properly because I'm a Brahmin myself. Right. But I studied it because it, Sanskrit is kind of dying down in India. And by the time oh. I... Uh, like in Christianity, you get baptized. In India, we get uh, what we call uh, Janayu, which is like a sacred thread you tie across your shoulder. So I got mine later. But the thing about getting a Janayu in India is that you get a lot of money and presents and gold. So I accepted to be a Brahmin because I realized I will get all the money and the gold. So for the listeners out there, Listen to what he's saying there. Is that the old school way of life, the Vedas, yeah. the 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 old school uh, mythology is dying out. Nobody talks about it anymore. Yes, and isn't that weird, man? And um, what can you say about then the Vinima? The Vinima. Uh, Vinima. If if you would spell it for me, I'd probably know the right. Uh, or vin, vin, vinama or whatever. Um, the Vinimas. The Vinimas were like this uh, something that was flying around in space. Ah, Vimanas. Vimana. Vimana. Sorry, sorry, Vimana. Ah, that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Vimana what? 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 What can you say about the Vimana? Is it real? What is that, man? Uh, Vimana is a mode of transport. It's a mode of transport. So I'm not sure if uh, they existed, but in the Indian mythology, there's a mention of it, uh, which is used by the demon king Ravana. He had a viman known as the Pushpak. And it was a flying vehicle, which he used to fly from Sri uh, modern day Sri Lanka to India and abduct uh, goddess Sita and take her back to Sri Lanka because he liked her and he stole so, somebody. So the Vimanas were um, actually flying devices in the old days. Yeah, the flying modes, modes of transportation. Yeah, right, okay. Um, yes. Perfect. Now, what do you think about the ancient structures in India? What are they? What are the ancient structures in India? And uh, do you think that they were part of some kind of energy system connected all around the world? So I definitely, because there's one temple in India, but it's the sun. It's a sun temple. 
dedicated to the sun called Konark. It's in the province of Orissa and it's designed like a chariot. Because we believe that sun, when he rose, he came on his chariot from the east and when he, uh, the sun sets, he went down towards the west. Just like Greek mythology, you talk about Helios, who's the sun god, comes from the east and yes. travels to stop darkness. That is, I think, Demos. I am not really sure. I don't remember the name right now. A couple of beers taking a bit of their kick. No, that's why I love you. That's why I love you. That's why you're only here because I I know you you're talking sense. Let's I go. Let's go. So yeah, so there are places with energy. Like if you look at Indian temples, we've got like a spire. It goes up, and the concept is that we, if you go to a temple, we ring bells, uh, and these bells are made of brass, and brass is a very sonorous material. Uh, I mean, I'm a bass player at the same time. So there are different fret materials we use on brace, uh, basses, steel, nickel, brass. Now, brass has a lot of ring to it. <laughs> vibration carries. And vibration has energy. So I definitely think these places, these temples have energy. Because when you ring the brass bell, the way you ring it, a certain spot you hit, kind of gives you a certain sensation. And the way... The temples are designed in a spiral way. It goes up, upward, so that it connects you and brings you closer to God and his energy. So these places have a certain calming energy. Some temples you go, like if you, if you uh, go to Shiva's temple, you'd feel a certain energy. If you go to a temple of goddess Kali, who's the goddess of, again, goddess of destruction, um, you go to her temple in certain parts of India, uh, the temple of goddess Kali, we sacrifice animals till date. And you'd feel a certain energy where they uh, conduct these sacrifices. And the way you conduct sacrifices is what's written in the Rig Veda. It tells you how to conduct a sacrifice, how to kill an animal that you're giving to the gods. Now you're talking about you're a bass player. I'm a saxophone guy, right? Uh, I'm not that no. good. I'm not that great, but I'm. I'm I, 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 I can I can I can read music, and and my thing is the saxophone. Uh, I have to tell Vietnamese people it's not a sexy phone. Mm. Uh, it's a saxophone, not a sexy phone. You know what I mean? Uh, my my cousin Matt Schofield is one of the greatest uh, blues guitar players of all time, but you're a blues player. I I you're a blues player and you're Indian and you have knowledge of this stuff. Um, is it fair to say that our ancestors, they pretty much worked off vibration and frequency? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say that. I mean, if you, even if you go into a prehistoric era, you'd find instruments and Let's say you, you, I mean, till date, you enter a jazz bar, you feel a certain aura, oh. a certain vibe in there. Oh. You enter a death metal concert, you would experience a certain energy level there. So, definitely, music carries a certain energy, a certain vibration which affects you. I mean, uh, I, I used to play, me I, I'm, I'm more of a metal player, 
I used to play heavy metal and death metal, and I used to do vocals and bass, but then I moved to a bit of a mellower, progressive style and started exploring music uh, in a different way. But till date, if, I, if I'm listening to metal or anything heavy, the first feeling is my fingers, they start going crazy like this, and I, I definitely feel energetic, like I want to be back on the stage. That, now, that's the kind I want to point out something interesting right here, right now, is that you're, we're talking about spiritual um, stuff, right? But mm -hmm. you're talking about music now, instead mm -hmm. of talking about um, how you connect with these ancient uh, uh, sculptures. Yeah. What they are. Yeah. Like what, what, what was the, what was the pyramid in Egypt? What was its function? And um, before everybody starts playing guitars, um, yeah. what do you think? What do you think the, the, the pyramids of Egypt, what is their function, bro? I mean, if you look at the structure, it's again, pointing upwards. Some, uh, some say that it's designed according to the belt of Orion, the constellation. It's lined up in a certain way. Fuck but that. What is your opinion? My opinion is that it's trying to point you towards a higher energy. What about a coupled oscillator? What does that mean? Pardon? A coupled oscillator. I am not sure what that is, so Fine. I will comment. We'll go. We'll go to it later. Uh, the pyramids of Egypt are a coupled oscillator. Um, listen, uh, let's go. Yeah. What What would you like to see? about the way you see history what mm -hmm. would you like what would you like people to see about the way you see history so calmly and so intuitive like obviously basically young people don't give a shit about history anymore yeah they don't give a shit about history and they that's why you was like oh can i i would love to talk to to you I fucking love history and I think it's really important. But um what what is the difference between me and you and like the, the, the new generation, let's say? What the fuck is going on, bro? I mean I, I honestly feel they're way too diverted with technology. They they don't have the patience to actually go through records and go through things and find out what's there that's existing. Uh, everybody just goes like, oh, I want something. Let me just use my phone and Google it. And that is, at a point of time, a bit troublesome because... Yeah, troublesome. The, it, it just brings out certain facts that you want to hear or what's on the highest list because it's listening to you. But nobody wants to open the records, the archives, and just understand every concept of it. What, why is this like this? I mean, I I am a history student. I've got a degree in history, but my major has been in military history because I learned one thing by studying military history. You understand a person, the way he treats his uh, subordinates, the way he uses his resources, and military history teaches you that. Right. So I have um I have a history academic right here. Perfect. 
Um, first of all, I want to say, I think you're a beautiful human being. I really appreciate you saying that. I, I, you are. And, um, the way you talk to me, like, oh, you know, nobody wants to talk about this shit. And, uh, I, I am listening. You're, everything you're saying makes fucking perfect sense. But really? now I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop my treat on you. I'm asking you right now. It's something I've just recently studied. Yeah. Um, and I am I I I can read hieroglyphs, right? Okay. So this yeah. is th this is new for me. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Bok saga. Okay. Any idea? Bok the Bok the Bok saga. Have you got any idea what's going on? Is it like, uh, is it something about the Finnish or the Nordic history aspect? Yes, very well done. Okay, you just searched that on your fucking... Yeah, I did. Okay. I, I, you I'm fucking sorry. did. Anyway, <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up is because Hinduism comes into yeah. the box saga later. Yeah. So, so I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to share with you because you're mm -hmm. a you're a guy that loves history and I love you. I think you're amazing. I, I honestly, appreciate it. Um, we 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 really we we we've met. No, honestly, uh, the way you talk is fantastic. But I I need to give you I need to give you a fucking drop right here that makes you understand yeah. like why you're on my podcast. Okay, so absolutely. I, here we go. It's the box saga, right? Mm -hmm. I, I used to be all about Egypt. I have a tattoo on my arm right there. Mm -hmm. I have uh, I've been studying hieroglyphs, hieroglyphs. I've studied hieroglyphs 20 years, but now the box saga. So mm. um, I, mean, I, I was going to do the box saga over a couple of episodes, but you know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to just I'm going to try to bang it out right now. So. <laughs> yes. I, I've got Nordic tattoos over me, uh, all over me. I've got uh, Odin here, the symbol of Odin, the ra ravens of Odin. You got the Odin? You have yeah, Odin? I've got, Odin. I've got uh, Odin. Why, do, why, why would you have the Odin? Odin. Why I have Odin? I'll tell you why. Because... Indian, you got the Odin. <laughs> I mean, then I got the Odin, yeah, definitely. Because Odin is very similar to Indian god Indra. He's the king of gods, but okay. he's paranoid. Right, he's check this paranoid out. paranoid about his death. Check this that out. So, in Ragnarok. Okay, we get to the, these three Ragnaroks. Uh, anyway, here we go. My turn to uh, give you my shit, right? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, well, there was a place called Paradise, Paradisa, mm -hmm. and it was in the middle of the earth uh, when the um, North Star shined straight down on the earth, which yes. was where where hell, hell was based. Yes. Helsinki, Helsinki in Finland was where the original Paradise was. And yes. Um, you have this thing in um, 
you have this thing in uh... <laughs> um hell hell fin hell fins right hell and finland hellfin is the elvins which is where you get tolkien lord of the rings yeah the hell the hellfins are the hell helsinki before it was inverted mm -hmm. hell fin finland Helfin is where you get elvins with the uh, pointy ears, right? Yeah, I mean, if, okay. it, uh, if you look okay. at North mythology also, when you mention the word Helsinki, let me tell you about Helheim. I mean, you've probably studied about oh, it. It all goes all. It, it all goes back to India later. It all yeah. goes the fuck back. Yeah, Helheim. Helheim is the uh, domain of the dark elves. It's cold. It's dark. Yeah. Hell high. So we got we've got the Helvins, right? You have this area which is called the Hell, which is directly situated under the the North Star, the North Star. Yeah. And and yeah. and this is where energy goes around and around and the energy is called the swa stika in the root language of van swa yeah. means um fire sti sti fire stika fire sticker the the fire stick yeah and you and you had four four points of the four cardinal points in the hell that would go around right yeah. And why is this important? Because everybody in the in the Val, in the in the time of the All Father, the Finnish, when somebody died, they would go into the ground. They would burn them and they would go into the ground. Mm -hmm. And there there would be a tree that would grow. And your ashes would create energy inside the tree and mm. you you would eventually go into the the leaf which is the life yeah the leaf is the life yeah and and then you would go around in your energy you would go around into into the uh, the the cycle of life and you would you would you would you would come back mm. right so, so the swastika, the swastika, was the um, what 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 Hitler eventually inverted in made the the Nazi flag. Yeah, not not the same as what it originally yeah, it's was. Not the same because in Hindu culture, swastika is used in uh, the Buddhist culture. Swastika. Now, 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 check and this out. Check this out, because this is fucking crazy. In the old days, when somebody died, you would just you would just like okay, uh, bury the uh, bury the ashes under the tree, and the tree would grow, and that that was it. That was yeah. it. Now, when 
some fucking bullshit happened, like maybe the uh, the Earth's tilt collapsed. I don't know. After that, all the people that were from the the Bach or the the original philosophy before it was like okay um we'll bury the uh, everybody underground yeah but if 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 the world tilted and then the whole philosophy was like hey we're not so sure that if we bury so if we do the same thing um we're not so sure that that soul would go to Vaha, Vaha, Valaha, right? Mm-hmm. We're not so mm-hmm. sure that that's the same thing that would happen. So, you know why in Egypt they put people in tombs? It's because they were waiting for that 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 thing where it was like, okay, oh yeah, if you die, you go to Valhalla before, always. But in Egypt, they weren't they weren't sure what the fuck is going on. So they just yeah. put people they put people in terms waiting for the Yeah, but like, Egyptian culture No uh, wait, they were they were waiting for the prophet. They were waiting for yeah. somebody to say, Okay, uh Valhalla's uh great again. Let's go. No, but they was just like that's why anybody from the 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 bog who comes and looks at the 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 Egyptian stuff is like yo we, we we get it we understand what is the ank we understand all these things in Egypt which Egyptologists have no idea what you're talking about so Egyptology comes from the Finnish it comes from the Finns the Elflins Elflins and that's why that's why. Lord of the Rings. That's the story, man. Tolkien Tolkien stole the story of the Elflings from everybody. He was like, okay, nobody's nobody's like looking at this, but this is the shit. Okay, I'm I'm gonna take it. And he and he took it, right? The fact that look listen to that fact. The reason why people in Egypt didn't bury their dead. They put them into tombs because they were unsure about the the OG sacrifice, man. That makes fucking sense, bro. That makes yeah, sense. I mean, in India also, uh, if you yeah. look at the old culture aspect, uh, in the past, even in Hinduism, uh, they started cremating because they said, Fire is where life starts from because your body has energy that is fire. And you go back into the soil, that fire, that energy that consumes you. But in the past, we created burial mounds. And you buried somebody under the ground with (laughs) all his belongings because you thought he would be needing it in the next life or wherever he goes. A good example is if you, if you look at the first emperor of China, we find these uh, terracotta soldiers. Why? 
because he's probably he felt he's preparing for something. He's got soldiers <laughs> fully armed, preparing for a battle, and these soldiers are six foot tall. <laughs> and average height of a Chinese person back then would be five two, five four, based on the amount of nutrition they get, because majority of the armies <laughs> back in China weren't professional armies that are being fed a high protein, high calorie diet. Back if 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 you look at um, the modern day movies which you watch in Hollywood about these Roman gladiators and Roman legions that are fighting, and they look massive, tall, muscular. No, these guys were shorter than me. I'm I'm five nine. They were five four, but they all were the same height that would form this fancy nice turtle formation and a taller gallic warrior would jump over them on the shield and they'd be under him just stabbing him under this uh, using the shield or <laughs> if gladiators these guys weren't athletic like what you'd see in spartacus the series on hbo they'd be covered in a layer of fat because they actually, because the main job of fat is to give you energy at the same time, protect your vital organs from injuries. So, I mean, so much to relate to things. Like if, if you look at it, the way we kind of see the modern, uh, the modern view on history is absolutely different to what it is in reality. We've just, made it fancier look fancier don't you think so i 100 percent. um what is your do you think that there's a lie in history because it's called his his story right his story, his story. His story. so what who is who is the, his story who who whose story and whose fucking story it ends up being the winner who's won the battle. That's why I focus on military history because majority of the empires, the kingdoms, the cultures you know about are the ones that won the battle. You don't remember the ones that lost. We don't look at the ones that lost the battle. We know they lost because they probably followed a bad strategy. This is what the great general on the other side did. But do you study beyond that? Do you study the aspect of their administration? Like a simple aspect in this would be the Persians. The Persians <laughs> conquered one of the biggest empires back then. But who gave rise to them? These people call them Medians. We call them Medes in central Iran. And these guys moved around and they were nomads and they built a city for themselves. They expanded. They learned how to fight. If you look at Egypt, a lot of Egyptian culture comes from the people from Assyrian culture, which is coming down all the way from uh, the Tigris River, Euphrates River. These people coming down to Egypt from the fertile lands up top, close to Anatolia, Syria, all these places coming down. Yeah. So... We, we never look at history from the uh, perspective of the person who's lost. I mean, uh, you're English. You study about the Battle of Waterloo and how... No, I didn't study. I didn't study shit. I was there. <laughs> I was there, man. 
I never studied anything. My ancestral soul, I was fucking there, bro. Yeah. 1066. I was there, bro. I was fucking there. And I was a peacemaker, man. I was trying to like, yo, fucking stop fighting, man. Stop chopping each other's heads off. Hmm. Um, no, I, I, I was listening to your story there. It was a beautiful thing. Um, what tips would you offer to the younger generation in India? Do they, do they give a shit about Indian mythology? I don't think so. I don't think so. I would say that instead of focusing on one aspect of what is right or wrong, uh, understand both sides. Understand both sides. And uh, just don't rely on what you read on this. I mean, I, I would read on this definitely because I want to look for more information. But just don't rely on the first thing that pops up because it's easy learn to explore and pick up more stuff that's that's when you have more freedom when you have more knowledge and if you don't know about stuff it's okay to not know accept it and if you don't know about it if somebody else knows about it listen to that person rather than trying to be the pompous fool who wants to speak and be an arrogant person that doesn't want to be beaten in a debate Perfect. Uh, listen, what the fuck is the pyramids of Egypt? What are, what are they, man? You're from India. Tell me, man, from an Indian I mean, perspective, what the fuck is the pyramid of Egypt? I need to know, man. I mean, for us, uh, when we look at it, we, uh, India is known for astrology, right? And we study the position of stars. And we say that these stars make an impact on your life. So when we're looking at the pyramids, we were trading with the Egyptians back then. Let me be honest. We were trading with them through sea routes and stuff. Probably we didn't, I, I don't know how it was back then because I wasn't there. But when we look at it, we say, okay, it's aligned as per a constellation, the constellation of Orion, a certain uh, thing where you've got the pyramid of Khufu who started the project in the middle. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you didn't you didn't carry on talking. <laughs> oh, I did. I, I saw you. I just I just ran. I, 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 I just ran away. I ran away to to get a beer because you you told me you were cracking beer and shit. So let's go, baby. I yeah, uh, I ran away. Anyway, I fuck, I, okay. I, I want to fucking hear what you're saying. Let's go. So I mean, when we look at it, we look at it like a constellation that's pointing in a certain direction the constellation Orion with the pyramid of Khufu being in the middle and then his two sons on the side. 
And if you look at the pyramid, the, the, there are just the three kings that are there. Fuck the kings, man. There's no kings in the pyramids, man. I mean, I'm not sure I've never been there. No, so uh... I've never been to Egypt. So I can't <laughs> say I've never felt what it's like standing. There's no kings. But... No king. No king is related to the pyramids. But the, based on what I've read... Okay, okay, you're a smart Yeah, let's go. Um, what is a coupled oscillator? I mean... I no, let's go. What is I a coupled just, oscillator? says that it's more like a transfer, an energy chain transfer, right? And Okay, the, what, do you, what do you think the pyramid is? Seriously, what is it? Is it a okay. tube? I'm not sure. I've not been there, so I, I, I'm not okay. going to give you any... So, I ask you a question. Um, coupled oscillator. What does that mean? It's an energy transfer chain. But but let me let me finish what I'm trying to say. So, based on what I've read, I've seen all the documentaries. What I've seen and what I've read, I it, it is always manipulated. But they say they found traces of gold on top of the pyramids on the tips, and gold is a great conductor of heat and electricity. So if it's a coupled oscillator, yeah. as you mentioned, gold being a great conductor of heat and electricity, it's it can be definitely transferring some form of energy. There's a little little problem with your uh, philosophy. There is there's no tip on the top of the pyramid, though. It's gone. It's disappeared. It could be. <laughs> it could be. I'm. I'm. I'm see, it's I've gone. never. Been I've never, it, it can be gone. I've never been there. I've not seen it as much as I've, what I've seen are pictures. So I I will never, like I said, I've, I like to follow what I mentioned. I, I wouldn't comment on something that I don't know and would like to prove myself as somebody being right there. No, because anyway, anyway, you're involved because you're a musician. So you're naturally involved, right? Pyramids. Are vibe they're vibrations they uh they're yeah. pumping out shit. Uh mm -hmm. you're a bass player, man. You're bass. Mm -hmm. Now do you think that we do you think that you're a musician based on your own uh curiosity or maybe it's because you're tuned into the ancient Indian philosopher? Okay, I became a bass player because when I started listening to music, the bass is what I could pick up first. And I, I was in school and if, nobody wanted to be a bass player because they said, you're not prominent. But I, what, what I actually enjoyed was the way it kind of highlights the energy of the whole band. It was like, I want to play that instrument not because I want to play a solo but I want to put that rumble that it brings when you strike a note on the bass and that's what got me into the bass and I started playing the bass and then I got too deep into it now I study different kinds of wood and what kind of tonality they possess because there are different uh, thicknesses and vibrational levels of a certain type of wood that would give you a certain sound. And I st started learning more about that. Uh, once I get deep into something, I go too deep into it. For example, I'm, I'm using a vape right now. 
I quit smoking and I read something about you mentioning that vapes can be quite addictive being high on sugar. Um, listen, what do you think about, all right, so you're a bass player. Bass is big. I want to know bass connected to Indian philosophy, like growing up. Because I'll tell you In something now. My my, yeah. my 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 cousin played with Ravi Singh. Yeah. Right? And he, he Ravi Singh is a fucking beast. Mm. I want to know, like, okay, it's fine to get fucked up, but I, I reckon that, let's say, Indians are... They're slightly more. Um, they've got they've got more funk with certain things. But bear, I I don't know about Indian bass, but yeah, I reckon if if you're a bass player, I reckon as an Indian you'd be slightly more. You'll have a you'll have an advantage, yes, total advantage. Whereas somebody else, it'd be it'd be a challenge, man. You know what I mean? So. Mm. Um, sure that, why bass though? But why bass? You could have picked anything. Why bass? I, I like the energy that comes out when I hit a single note. Like I said, I love to make the rumbling sound which comes out from a bass. And in Indian culture, before the other instruments were being played, we had an instrument which is the Indian bass called the Tanpura that actually gives you the note or the pitch you've got to sing on. And the bass is like a modern version of it. It gives you that groove that you can pick up, like the number of beats you're counting or that sound. And it always appealed to me. So probably something to do with that. But anyway, um, the reason that people are listening to this podcast still, it's nothing to do with what instrument we're playing, it's about the history mm. of fucking India. I'm still interested in the blue people, 100%. Mm. The Nagas, I'm 100% interested in that. I've seen this shit. Um, what makes you different now? Like you're an Indian guy living in Saigon. You might I don't know how much money you make, whatever. But what makes you now more different from all these other Indians who are just holding on to these mythologies? Because you, you you stand out, bro. You stand out. You definitely do. You stood out for me. I fucking love you, bro. I appreciate that. I'm I'm really humbled by it. Uh, I'm really humbled by it, and thank you for having me here and having a discussion with me because I've I've never had the opportunity to discuss. Mostly I get <laughs> drunk and then I say the most obnoxious things and people find me funny at the same time my wife tells Fucking me. You're great, mate. You're great. Unbelievable. I love you. I I appreciate it. But uh, see, the thing is, I don't, I, I don't know how different I am to somebody else. But maybe it's the way I look at things, my perception to what somebody else has towards life i think the way you perceive things the way you look at things the way you understand how things work is what makes you an individual so in a way i'd say what unites us is being from the same country when it comes to all the indians being in saigon 
But what might make me a bit diff? I, I mean, if if somebody asked me what makes me different, I don't I don't want to blow my own trumpet out there, and I'd I'd say, <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be probably the way I perceive things and the way I look at things uh, in a it, well, when it comes to looking at things in the past and let how. Me let me help you with that. Um, I'll 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 put it like this. Uh, I met him in a bar, and we would and I was saying, "Yo, I've got a podcast, and uh, I I would love to talk about the history of India." And he was like, "Yo, yeah, oh, nobody nobody talks about that without being interrupted." So, um, what we did tonight, we basically laid it out, and he's a great guest. Look at him, amazing, unbelievable. Um, I think we covered the ground. Um, I had a few beers tonight. Um, definitely did have a few beers tonight. <laughs> but um, having my, I've been trying to get him on. We 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 did this like it, it took a few a few fucking weeks to. To, yeah, to, yeah, I think it's before Christmas. To nail it, to nail it. And I'm listening. See, I'm listening. I'm listening to you. And I am, um, this is the thing. I, I don't, I, I'm trying to be normal, but I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow, why did I get you on? I learned something. Like, I learned some big shit. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, Final question is this. Um. Hmm. If you could, if you could share wisdom, mm -hmm. what, what what would be what would the wisdom? <laughs> wisdom, ah, oh, that's <laughs> what, a would, hot, what, what mean, would be the wisdom? What would be my wisdom? I'd say focus on your present and learn from your past mistakes. Learn, try not to, kind of. Dive deep into the past. It, it's a really, really hard question for me. I mean, I, I'd say what the kind of advice I'm trying to give. Probably I don't follow it half of the time. Well, my uh, my 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 wisdom is this: um, I take care of me for you, and you take care of you for me. How's that sound? That sounds good. And I I'd say just be human, be nice to everyone. And I think the... should, no, I I think me and you we should tell everybody, yo, you need to look look the way you talk, man. You need to fucking open your fucking mind and go for it, man. You need to understand that. Hey, I'll invite you on my fucking podcast for a reason because you're interesting. All right, um, Abby, my friend, very very interesting tonight. Thank we're you. gonna do we're gonna do this again, hundred percent. I'd be down for a day. No, we we we, we are gonna do this. We're gonna do this again because you're such a modest human. He was like, uh, "Can I drink a beer?" Because I know he was a bit nervous, and I'm nervous too. I just want to say, um, I I have to I have to go and talk to my son after this. It's fine. Um, you are seriously. One of the greatest guests on my podcast because because you talk from the heart, man. I love Thank it. You.
all the way, all the way, buddy, all the way, brother. Talk from the heart. And, and it hit me. It, it hit me really good. Fucking hit me, bro. Cheers. I, I really appreciate that. No, no, it's not. It's not a fucking cheers. It's a fucking salute. Thank you. Um, I didn't. I didn't fulfill the last questions because we we pretty much nailed what we wanted to say. And um, for all the listeners out there, this guy here, I will back up his passion with the curry next week. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna get me a curry for sure. But I'd, I'd get you an Afghan curry. This guy here, Abby, is my first guy ever that I was just like, fucking let's go. Because he's so passionate about his culture. And that I hope I hope you uh, you, you got that because I got I got something from that. It was fucking great. Abby, bang. We'll see you later. Have it large. Have it large. Just keep loving. That's what I'd say. That's love my it large. I love it, Lodge. I love you, bro. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. You, you jumped on the jam, bro. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>